1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Trade Cast brought to you by our friends ourselves at RotoViz Radio and our friends over at Untuck It. Uh, some great clothing going on. We'll talk about them a little bit later. But right now, we're going to be talking about uh, the NFL. We're a Dynasty Fantasy Bowl podcast. I've heard podcasts previously like explain what kind of podcast they are as they're entering i don't think we've ever said hey guys this is a fantasy football podcast uh we specialize in dynasty fantasy football trades that's what this podcast is about did you know that dan that we are are a dynasty podcast
2: i was actually unaware i thought this was a (laughs) this was an MMA podcast (laughs) you know
1: we've probably been making more money but anyways so the divisional week is in the books. We are heading into championship weekend and so we're going to get into pretty much all the teams remaining in the, you know, in the playoffs in a little bit. But I do want to start the show off t- talking about Lamar Jackson and I don't think that th- this panic mode has entered its way into the dynasty sphere mostly because he was still putting up ridiculous numbers in, in the loss Lamar Jackson but I did see some doubters this past weekend with Lamar Jackson losing uh, in the divisional round to the Titans some people saying is he not the top two NFL quarterbacks some people were thinking is he not a great long-term quarterback I, yes that's hyperbole and yes you know that's an overreaction to one game. But is there anything we can take from his dynasty value based off his, you know, poor performances in the playoffs the last two years?
2: Well, definitely not his first one because that was, it is what it is. They, they couldn't really game plan any other way than they did last year. This year, I just think, I think the Titans get it. I mean, we saw what they did the way Vrabel just Belichick, Belichick, you know, in the first week of the playoffs. And then, you know, we thought maybe they'd come down a little bit and, and the Ravens would walk. And I mean, they kind of proved to, to be that that defensive juggernaut running team that Mike Zimmer dreams about. So I don't know. I, I feel like he's still obviously super, super young. He put up monster numbers. I mean, if you would have told me after the or before beforehand that Lamar Jackson would have over 500 yards of all purpose offense, that, you know, and the Ravens would have lost I would have said you were insane I would have put every dollar to my name on the fact that they would have won they just got outplayed that's that's the name of the game and again he's still young they still don't really have the receiving core to to do anything with and you can't expect Lamar Jackson to succeed throwing it 60 times that's that's not where he excels he's good enough to throw it 30 35 even 40 if he absolutely had to but sixty is absurd, but when you're playing from behind, you know that's that's the game they had to play. So I think I think his stock, <clears throat> excuse me, only rises. I think as long as they continue to put skill players around him, you know, having Willie sneed as as one of your main targets, not not super positive thing. Having to lean on Hayden Hurst in the playoffs, not super great. Not sure what happened with Mark Andrews or why he wasn't out there for 95% of snaps. So I think the Ravens continue to learn. I think Lamar Jackson continues to build on what we keep seeing. And I'm sure the the rushing output will, will start to kind of slowly decline. And I think we see the the passing game kind of slowly inclined to be completely honest. I don't feel like we saw his ceiling as a passer this year. I do think we saw his ceiling as a runner this year. So I, I, I truly believe he's, he's going to, to kind of figure it out, find that nice balance where he's not putting himself in harm's way as many times every year, but he's just too much of, of an asset on the, on the ground to think he's anything but the quarterback one.
1: Oh, you still, I I knew, I knew, I, as I said, Oh, I remember that we had this conversation a few weeks ago and I still firmly have Pat Mahomes as my QB one. I, I think he has a safer long-term asset. I think that he's surrounded with more talent currently. And to go back to Lamar here, I, I do think that the phrase like, Oh, he needs a big wide receiver or, you know, that type of thinking is a bit overthought in the NFL today, but you can't have your best red zone wide receiver be Marquise Brown. Uh, yeah. they, they need to bring in a big body in the draft or, or in free agency and they will most likely. And, uh, that'll be huge for Lamar Jackson. And obviously the, the, the more he can avoid having Duran the better. I, he's still a top three guy. You know, I, I think that him and Watson are up for debate. And I, I think that Lamar probably has the higher ceiling long term, but I do think Watson is a little bit safer, uh,
2: higher floor. Oh, definitely. Definitely much, much safer. You know, having starting the game basically with a touchdown advantage, if you consider it that way, in, you know, the rushing floor, a, a six-point advantage just to start the game, because you can basically chalk that up. He's going to have 50 to 60 yards, almost guaranteed. The games he doesn't are the games that they're supposed to win, where he throws a bunch in the first half, and then he doesn't have to do anything in the second half. They put an RG3 and they coast. But yeah, you you mentioned it, they and I, you know, I kind of hinted at it previously. They absolutely have to bring in a, a real red zone target. They've got to get Mark Andrews more involved. They've got to figure out that that backfield a little bit more. Obviously, Mark Ingram did some really nice things this year. Uh, Gus Edwards was a really really competent number 2 and you know, I felt like last year he showed enough where he probably could have been a, a really competent 1A or 1B. And they still kind of have Justice Hill coming along slowly and getting a lot of special team snaps in, getting some some a little bit of playoff run there with, with Mark, uh, Mark Ingram being injured just for a little bit, it looked like. So, you know, I, I feel like they're okay at running back. I'm sure they'll probably add one in this draft, maybe late with the depth at the position. But I, I think they've probably got to target a wide receiver somewhat early. I would imagine they'll continue to build that defense up a little bit because offense seems to be okay aside from some from pass catchers and maybe a depth running back. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'd love to see someone like T. Higgins go there.
1: Yeah, but I, the only problem there, and I, I do like T. I, he's not a big body type. You know, I think he's bigger. I think he's 6'2", but he's 6'4". also – he, oh, six four. But he is leaner. He's not. A, he's not a you know guy who's going to box out a guy in the NFL level. Um. So I would love to see C there, but I don't think he fits the prototype of. Yes, he's tall, but he doesn't have the the bulk of maybe like a Brian Edwards.
2: Eh.
1: Which I mean, yes, T Higgins is better than Brian Edwards, but I'm <laughs> saying, you you know. Anyways, all right. Let's get into uh, before we get into talking about um, the teams that are left, the assets that are left in the playoffs. I'll let you guys know about uh, Rotoviz and our Rotoviz Radio discount subscription. Rotoviz season, like yes, you do, oh in season you got to do your lineup stuff. No, Rotoviz the off season is the in season. The in season is the off season, and so the time that you want to res- subscribe to Rotoviz is between today. And the NFL draft, the most important time. There's so many great articles with rookie profiles. And I think we, we, we have the wide receiver bracket every year to determine who the top wide receiver in the class is. There's so many great articles on, you know, rookie content and even Debbie content as well with our good friends, Curtis Patrick and uh, Travis May uh, joining the team as well. So get on board with Rotoviz, get some awesome college and uh, rookie content with uh, rotoviz.com slash radio. All right, let's get into our main topics of today. We're, we're going to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, talk about our thoughts on on players there. I guess I'll start us off with Sammy Watkins. He's a guy who I have been a truther of in the past, and we had the big game uh, in week one of this season. And I, I told you, Dan, I was like, with the Tyreek Hill injury and with Sammy Watkins going nuts in week one, it makes sense for Sammy Watkins to have a huge – you know, next few weeks of that, of the season. And I said, and that's exactly why he won't have a huge uh, week. <laughs> and I don't think he even matched his week one total the rest of the year. That's probably hyperbole, but he basically didn't show up after week one. So uh, what are your thoughts on his dynasty value right now?
2: Yeah, obviously it's in the tank. You know, the, the name still holds a little tiny smidgen of value, but for the most part, everyone's soured, everyone's out. I, I guess, you know, as far as depth goes, it might not be a horrible throw like a late pick or, you know, some like an old production player at someone to see if you can get them just for depth because there is still that potential there. It's just not the potential of paying a first-round pick or a second-round pick or someone of a real value that puts up consistent points. But when we're talking about you know, Sammy Watkins or J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, I mean, you kind of have the same potential outlook there. They're not really all that different in age. I think, what, maybe two, three years. And he's in Kansas City at the moment. Obviously, we I think we all predict McCall Hardman to take a bigger, bigger leap here in year two. And that may render Sammy Watkins useless. They may move on from him. They may move on from him anyways, if they're just kind of sick of it. But he could very, very well find a home as a wide receiver two in another offense. Uh, we'll never see that wide receiver one that we saw early on in Buffalo. But, you know, an end of bench or depth type guy, I wouldn't hate potentially adding. You just really can't spend any any true value on him.
1: Yeah, and the thing is that like the, most guys who have him, usually I say most guys who have Sammy Watkins are in love with him and aren't going to you know just give him up for peanuts but at this point most sammy watkins owners have probably soured on him and to the point that if a sammy watkins owner wants to get a deal done they won't have much of a problem throwing in sammy watkins to just about any deal so i mean obviously you're not going to do it like if it's a deal involving like two pick players that are worth like second round picks hey you're probably not getting sammy watkins as a throw on but honestly anything bigger than that if it's a deal involving like two first round pick type assets i think that you know, you can at least try to get Sammy Watkins thrown in. And I, I don't think it's, you know, a necessity to do, but I don't think it's the worst move in the world either.
2: Most definitely. He's, he's a perfect throw in type player just to,
1: which you know, never, you never would have thought just like two years ago. Right. Sammy Watkins, Oh, a throw in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to really be a, a value bridge to, to, you know, to get you a place where like a third might do it, but it's one of those things where if you get a fair deal and you go back and say, you know what, throw one of those in and, and we'll call it a day. I, I'm not going to argue against someone trying to do that. Next guy on the list, I think we probably have to talk about it. We, I know we touched on Mahomes a, t- a tiny, tiny little bit earlier, and we'll get to him in a minute. But Travis Kelsey going four straight years of 1,000 yards through the air. And I got to tell you, I I didn't really think in – 2015 uh going into the 2016 season we were gonna see that that new gronk that new tony gonzalez that new you know the the real deal tight end and he's proven it it year in and year out he's missed one game yes one game since 2014 think about that 2013 missed the whole season Next year, he's missed one game since. That is nuts for a tight end, especially the way that he plays. So I think Travis Kelsey and, and maybe a couple of other guys are, are the outliers in the history of tight end to say, well, it's a volatile position. You always got to worry about injuries, yada, yada, yada. Travis Kelsey's that outlier. We'll see how long he lasts. We'll see how long he decides to play. Uh, but at the ripe age of 30, we've seen plenty of tight ends turn on the boosters and and actually get better or more productive. So uh, I think with, with Mahomes and, and the way the offense is, it's a really, really, really hard time to buy. And I don't think I could even say sell. I, I was okay selling last offseason. I thought he was going to regress, take a downturn for the worst. Yeah, the touchdown production wasn't there this year, but the offense was off. Patrick Mahomes missed time. You know, Tyreek Hill missed some time in that. That screws up the offense. They haven't had a consistent running game, and um, and he was still right there. He had 97 catches for 1,200 and some change and five touchdowns. The touchdowns will probably come back. We'll probably see him in that eight range with Patrick Mahomes, I would say, is, is probably a legitimate floor. And he's just – he's one of those players we, – we get a few every year where it's really, really hard to actually sell unless you're getting a king's ransom, and it's almost impossible to buy because you probably have to give up that ransom to get it.
1: Yeah, and pretty much my stance on all tight ends that are high in value, which honestly, Kelsey is creeping towards not being a high-value tight anymore. He's certainly worth that high value. But uh, currently in January, ADP being drafted at 33 overall. That was a little bit lower than I was expecting. I was expecting to see him maybe in the 20 to 24 range. But and when it when it comes down to it, like I'm still taking some of the guys going below him: Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, and Tyler Lockett. I I, I think that it gets a little close there. But that's just my I'll take the wide receiver and figure out tight end later rather than taking uh, taking the higher price of the tight end and figuring out wide receiver, which is much harder to do.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird spot. And you mentioned that that kind of 20 to 24 range. And I think if I were to take a tight end in that spot, it would probably have to be George Kittle, someone who we'll we'll talk about later. But I, I don't think Travis Kelsey is really far behind, even though he is 30. I just, he doesn't look like a guy that's slowing down. You know, we, we watched Gronk, we saw him slow down. This doesn't seem it's very, this, this doesn't seem apples to apples to me. What do you, what do you mean? Where Kelsey is compared
1: to other players or Kelsey Kittle? Uh,
2: Kelsey as a tight end and slowing down. You know, we saw, we saw yeah. Gronk hit the wall. We haven't seen Kelsey really with any significant injuries. We haven't seen him slow down at all he, he's playing at the exact same speed he's played for five six years and you know really no end in sight so uh, as much as I would say there's a a gap between where Kittle's going and Kelsey's going I don't know that there really is it's it's basically the age if you prefer age to to beauty
1: yeah and also with quarterback and tight end it's a lot easier to sacrifice the age for if you think you're going to get more production out of kelsey in the next couple of years over kittle then you know once kelsey stops producing in three or four years it's a lot easier to find that replacement than it is at running back and wide receiver so let's close out the chiefs with uh, you wanted to talk a bit about patrick mahomes and you still say lamar is qb1 uh care to defend your
2: thoughts after he had that comeback <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that window where you probably could have bought Patrick Mahomes from when he was injured basically until this last week when, when basically we about calmed... until
1: like the seven minute mark in the first quarter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it got crazy. It got out of hand fast. it didn't look good right away. And then it, it all of a sudden it was it was chaos. Yeah, I mean, like I said before with Lamar Jackson, it's the rushing floor and and he's got a really broad spectrum between his actual floor and his ceiling. But considering the rushing floor, it's hard to, to have that advantage and and think otherwise, because I do think Lamar takes a step as, as a quarterback and as a thrower. And as they build around him, he gets better. Patrick Mahomes is what he is. I, I think he's kind of a, I mean, he's a finished product. We, we didn't all see that at first. he was, Pretty damn polished last year. Still looks, you know, when healthy, as good or better this year. But I mean, last year was was as good as it was ever going to get. That's Those are numbers that are, I mean, virtually untouchable. But as the NFL makes it easier and easier for offenses to play and harder and harder for defenses to play, maybe those numbers aren't as untouchable as we think. Maybe, maybe can, uh, Kansas City continues to just Add weapons and it just makes it easier and easier for Mahomes to do whatever he wants. Um, I think the big thing here will be for them to figure out that running game. So teams can't just sit back and and defend the pass Uh, because this year I felt like it kind of got that way where it was easier to take away Mahomes because they weren't afraid of, of them running the ball. You know, Damian Williams is hurt and Shady McCoy is just a shell of his former self and, you know, Darwin Thompson never was a factor Uh, Daryl Williams, you know, was just kind of a pass catching guy. So I think we see them target a back in the draft pretty early. And I I think it's one of your game changing type backs. I'd love to, I'd love to see like an ETN go there. I think he fits that, that mold perfectly. And I think if anything, that would help Mahomes, you know, kind of surge back to the QB one spot. It's, it's just tough for me to look past the rushing with, with Lamar.
1: Yep. All right, let's move on to their opponent this coming weekend, and that is the uh, Cinderella story of the playoffs. And I know that it's mostly just, you know, the object of it, but they do remind me of, you know, that Giants team the first time and the uh, Ravens team the first time where yeah. it's like, is this team going to lose? Like, <laughs> You know, and obviously we don't really care about that from a dynasty perspective, but like, you know, they aren't a better team than the Chiefs, but still in the back of my mind, I'm like, are, are they going to lose, though? Because I don't think they are. <laughs> and so that will certainly be a fun game to watch. Now, let's talk about the, the premier uh, asset on the Tennessee Titans, the one that all NFL teams will be wanting this offseason, who is a free agent. Um, we're talking about Ryan Tannehill, right? Right, Dan? <laughs> that's,
2: that's right. Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> the free agent of God's you know, no, uh, Derek Henry, my goodness, this is, this is our generation's Adrian Peterson, even though Adrian Peterson is still playing. He's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much for me a, a one-to-one comparison. The difference now is, you know, when AP was in his prime, we didn't have the, the big time PPR backs, the guys that were getting a hundred plus targets you know, from the backfield and getting three hundred carries. So that that made it easy for Adrian Peterson, who is a Hall of Famer, that you know, that's a little bit different. It made it easy for him to be a top one, two, three, four dynasty running back. And now you look at the running back landscape and you've you've got, you know, McCaffrey, you've got Barkley, you've got Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, you've got so many guys, Alvin Kamara You've got, I would say, at least six guys, maybe seven if you consider, like, Mixon and Fournette there because of their pass-catching abilities that, I mean, apparently Leonard Fournette can catch passes. I didn't know that. And then you have to consider the the incoming high-end guys, the, the you know, kind of perceived elite backs. And you have to ask yourself, would you give 101, 102, or 103 for Derrick Henry?
1: I think that it obviously depends on situation and we even talked about this back, you know, a month or so ago where we talked about maybe having Josh Jacobs over Derek Henry. I don't think very many people have Jacobs over Henry at at this point. Jacobs slowed down during the end of the season with injuries and Henry did anything but slow down, but I still think that they're fairly close in value. And I I think that most people will have Swift over Henry, DeAndre Swift over Henry pretty easily. Um, I, I think that most people will see Jonathan Taylor and say, well, Jonathan Taylor's like best range of outcomes is becoming Derrick Henry. And so they're like, do you want the one that's already Derrick Henry or the one that's going to become your Derrick Henry? And we have seen bigger backs take a little bit longer to develop at the NFL level. But part of that might just be terrible NFL coaching, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so we'll see what happens with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but, but to talk about Derrick Henry and how, it, where, where he has a dynasty value, I think that, you know, people will tell you he's worth anywhere between like the one Oh one and one Oh four. Uh, if you can get Derek Henry for the one Oh five I'm snap accepting snap offering that every day of the week.
2: Yeah, I'm probably in that 105, 106 range. I would say I, the w- I mean the way he has closed out the last two seasons and, and the way he's performed in this playoffs, it, they're going to be able to lean on him for, for a few years here while this defense is, is built to win. And, you know, we don't know what they're going to do at at quarterback. They've it looks like they've found at least one piece in AJ Brown, Corey Davis. I think I still don't think we have enough to say that he can't or he won't. I just don't think he's ever going to be what maybe we thought he was going to be that that you know kind of perennial low end fringe wide receiver one type. Uh, because I think that was maybe the the hopes at first. So. I don't I'd I'd be interested to see what they do at at quarterback I think they probably give Tannehill a short-term you know prove it type deal obviously he proved it this year but uh hey you keep doing this you know you can get incentives you can well player option or team option or you know whatever I just think it'll be short-term year by year type deal but there's also the possibility that that they you know grab a quarterback or maybe a quarterback next year and and kind of see that that's the part that kind of kind of throws me off because Tannehill was just like magic this year, um, which really frustrates. I think a lot of us about Marcus Mariota because I was a Marcus Mariota fan and I don't want to say that it's pretty damn clear. He was the issue, but I think he might've been the issue along with some bad coaching.
1: Yeah. 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 Uh, When it came with, with Tannehill, you know, playing. So, I mean, he actually hasn't really done much in the playoffs. It's been mostly Derek Henry slash defense, but yes, um, but still, people were tweeting out like, so how bad was Marcus Mariota? <laughs> and the answer <laughs> is very bad. But um, anyways, with Tannehill, I think that he was made for the franchise tag. I, I don't think that any team wants to commit multiple years of franchise quarterback 20 plus million type money to him. And I think that the one dynasty aspect of this is actually that that's going to end up giving Henry the, ch- the the chance to most likely test free agency. And so I don't think that Henry or Tannehill are going to be going anywhere, but I think that Tannehill is definitely not going anywhere and
2: Henry will get the chance to test free agency. Yeah, it's going to be. Or, or get be his extension
1: before the free agency starts.
2: I, I think we probably see an extension. The, the problem is, is how willing are these teams to, to pay running backs this big money when we've, you know, seen the last couple kind of crash and burn. I mean, at least Gurley um, and now Zeke, you know, get in the bag. We'll, we'll kind of and, see what that turns uh, into.
1: Top five paid running back, Jarek McKinnon.
2: There you go. <laughs> that one's worked. That one has worked. Let me tell you, it got him through the Vikings with all that extra insight. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, so let's let's hit on the wide receivers uh, for a second here. A.J. Brown hasn't really done much in the playoffs, which uh, I was kind of afraid, you know, as a guy who might be interested in testing the waters on A.J. Brown. I know that they'll be expensive waters, but the fact that he hasn't done anything in the playoffs hasn't increased his price any, which is a good thing. But I think that he is worth around the 101, 102. And I, honestly, I, I would wait. And if I'm going to make that type of trade, like trade the 101 for A.J. Brown, it would be waiting until you know rookie draft day after i know the landing spots of of the guys and that kind of gives me a better gauge of how i'm valuing the 101 this year because I, I there obviously most people have like a 101 to 104 maybe five type range i know that that's like uh you know getting even tighter as people decide to go back to school but yeah i, I think the aj brown is going to be worth an early first throughout the offseason and he could end up you know with rookie hysteria, you might be able to get to get him for a pick that is obviously more uh, less valuable than him.
2: Yeah, I, I've got a slight fear with AJ Brown that he might do the juju thing where he gets like crazy, crazy, crazy expensive and then dies. Uh, I'm not in the buying juju party. I still think he's too high at you know the wide receiver four, five, six, seven, whatever he's at. And AJ Brown made a leap to wide receiver 11 in this month's ADP.
1: Ooh, yeah.
2: That um th- those are waters I'm I'm not going to be dipping my foot into. So I only see that number going higher this offseason. I can very easily see him getting ahead of Amari Cooper and Odell Beckham. I think he dances with DJ Moore. There's a I mean there's real potential. He splits Godwin and Evans and gets all the way up into that you know that that mid wide receiver one category and uh, you know it's it's something that we we saw with juju a little bit obviously the circumstances were pretty different and sky's the limit for aj brown it's just that's a lot to be given up for still kind of we don't know what this future is going to hold we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback we don't know what that offense is going to look like derrick henry leaves and all of a sudden now now what a defense have to worry about (laughs) A.J. Brown, they take him away like they took Juju away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to talk about Corey Davis for a second, you know, we've seen so many late career breakouts at the receiver position that part of me doesn't want to, I mean, obviously you're not dropping him from your dynasty rosters, but part of me wants to like, we talked about uh, Sammy Watkins as a throw in. Corey Davis is definitely a throw-in at this stage. Maybe try and seek a larger trade with a Corey Davis owner just to see if you can get Corey Davis thrown in. But I do think that some of his owners might still be pot-committed and be like, well, I spent the one all win on him like two years ago, so I'm not going to trade him for peanuts. So uh, I, I do think that he's a, a good buy-low attempt, but also it's within the range of outcomes that like he's out of the league in a year and a half.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly interesting it's it's possible we see depending on on the quarterback situation and whether Derek Henry is there or not I mean we could see that Devontae Adams type you know type third fourth year fifth year you know turn around and and really figure it out but I think it would take a big time quarterback in an in a kind of a pass first offense which I don't see this team being with especially with Rabel at the helm I want to believe that Corey Davis can do it. And I think AJ Brown being there helps. I just don't think the volume's ever going to be there for these guys to both put up good numbers, both be even wide receiver twos. I think there's a chance one of them's a mid wide receiver two and the other one's like a wide receiver four or five. And that's fine, but it's not what, you know those prices we had been paying for really either guy. So I, I think you probably going to have to pay up a little more, more than throw in value for Corey Davis. But you know some people might be done. They might be done with the way they were done with Sammy Watkins. Yeah, some people are a little more patient with Davis. Uh,
1: but I do think that you know talking about like his situation might not matter. I I, I think that he could be an off-season trade target for an NFL team saying. Hey, let's try and buy low on, on Corey Davis on that on that end. And also, I you know I would be surprised to see the Titans pick up his fifth year option and pay him a top five pick for a fifth year. So I I don't think he's on the Titans much longer. So I wouldn't I wouldn't value that too much into uh, his dynasty value. All right, so uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors.
2: Have you ever seen an untucked button down shirt? from just your regular old retail store they look bad you know why they look bad it's because they weren't meant to be worn that way thankfully there's our friends over at untuck it the original button-down shirt that's designed to be worn untucked no matter your size or shape untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length with more than 50 plus fit combinations untucket shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages they are truly fantastic i don't think there's a button up that i would prefer to it you know if you're gonna go and spend a bajillion dollars at a tailor to get shirts made the same way i still don't really think they're gonna be as good There's all sorts of styles. There's there's a wrinkle-free button down, super soft flannels, the outerwear, anything you could possibly think of. With Untuck It, your shirts will never look baggy, too long, bulgy, or too big again. And one of the best parts is their website is super easy to use. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit Untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com, promo code BLUE for 20% off.
1: Also, from our friends over at Blue Wire, we have a great internal podcast exclusive for you guys this week with Chris Van Vliet. Awesome advice, tips, and inspiration. Check it out. All right, let's get into the second half of the show, the NFC Championship game. We have the Packers and the 49ers. Uh, Obviously, a number of assets on the Green Bay Packers, but there is one guy that I do want to talk about before we get into the meat and the bones of the team, and that is Jace Sternberger. I do think that he is one of the more intriguing buys in all of Dynasty. Jamie Graham has been pronounced dead four years ago, and uh, Jace Sternberger is is a guy who the, the Packers invested a decent amount of capital in. And the Packers pretty much all of Aaron Rodgers' career, who's been in the NFL for 18 years now, the Packers have been in pursuit of a tight end. And for like one year they had Jared Cook, but other than that, they've never had a tight end.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the last time they they really invested in somebody it was what, Jermichael Finley. So yeah, it's the, the Packers are due. They don't really have much else for pass catching. Uh, you've got Devontae Adams, you know, whatever combination of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and you've got Jay Sternberger. And you mentioned the, the little bit of draft capital. He was a third round pick, and this is a guy I've kind of been subtly hinting at to to kind of make a move and get because he's, I mean, he's still relatively cheap. We saw him on the field a little bit more this week, uh, but he's been injured or or just maybe not ready, and now he finds himself in a spot where there's a ton of available targets just because everything else is crap around him. Rodgers doesn't really look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. So all of that upside is still there. Devontae Adams is going to draw all of the the heavy hitters on defense. And obviously those linebackers are going to be keeping eyes on the backfield. So if you're going to get Sternberger uh, one-on-one with safeties or potentially outside linebackers or anything like that, I think that's a really, really nice matchup. I think Sternberger can be that guy in the NFL with obviously a decent target share. And because of how gross the tight end landscape is almost what seems like eternally, it's, you know, it's another one of those things where I don't love spending capital on tight end, but you don't have to not with Jay Sternberger. He's not going to be expensive. He's, he's not going to break the bank. He's a cheap ad and you know, there's, There's not going to be a ton of depth coming into the league. Um, So I think we see him slowly move up the charts and get into that probably mid to early tight end two spot before we really start seeing production just based on potential alone.
1: Yeah, and he did put up big numbers. Only really had one year of college football and, uh, you know, basically sat the bench slash was transferring the other years. Uh, 832 receiving yards at Texas A&M, 10 touchdowns, 17 yards per catch pretty impressive uh if you ask me so yeah uh definitely a guy to look out for and of course he is attached to uh one Aaron Rodgers so you know definitely a good thing and an intriguing very cheap buy a guy who wouldn't be as cheap of a buy would be Aaron Jones he had his breakout season this year scored about 27 touchdowns I believe um (laughs) And I, I even saw, people, you know, obviously people talk about towards the end of the season, like, oh, who's going to be in the first round of redraft leagues next year? And Aaron Jones is, that, is in that conversation with, you know, he's the RB1 for a very, you know, potentially explosive offense. So uh, where are you at on Aaron Jones? Uh, I think he's probably being valued as like a second round pick in Dynasty right now and the first round pick in redraft.
2: Yeah, it, it's somebody I came along on a little bit. Obviously, I, I was a big Jamal Williams guy coming out. And they're kind of that thunder and lightning. I, it's clear now that I, I can see through all of my bias that Aaron Jones is, is definitely that guy. But 16 touchdowns uh, on the ground isn't exactly what I would call sustainable. And, you know, the usage is fine. I don't want to say it's amazing. It's still super inconsistent, even with the new coaching regime. And that's kind of, that was kind of the worry last year was, was it going to get better? Did it get better? Yeah. Was it great? No. Is he an RB1? No. You know, it, maybe he separates from the pack a little bit. He pulls away from Jamal Williams. I just think that they like Jamal Williams as a football player. They like having him on the field. He's more than capable of doing anything you need a running back to do. It just happens that Aaron Jones is slightly better, more explosive, and brings a little bit different... Look to that offense. Aaron Rodgers seems to like having him on the field as well. So I think that may play in a little bit. And yeah, I just, I feel like if, if I was going to sell anybody on the team, it's probably going to be Aaron Jones just because of that, that touching, the, the touching out or the touchdown out, output got him all the way up into that like RB 10, 11, 12 range. And that's, that's a little expensive for me.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I've always been a bit hesitant on him. I, I because he was a fifth round draft pick. I'm like, oh, boy, I know the Packers going to spend a, you know, second, third round pick on investing in the running back position for Aaron Rodgers. Well, it didn't look like they have to. Aaron Jones is ser- at the very least serviceable, if not, you know, a good NFL running back. I don't ever see him as a top ten dynasty back. I don't ever see him as, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be changing your NFL offense. Uh, but he's good enough, and they have uh, needs elsewhere. You know wide receiver the you know they we they thought they had some depth with marquez aldis scantling and equating st brown and pretty much all those guys didn't really turn out anymore they're not good anymore um and so i think that they'll be investing early at that position is there anyone else on the packers offense that you are interested in for dynasty
2: i mean Devonte adams is probably just a whole oh that guy thinks you might drop him already <laughs> I don't think you're going to be doing much buying on Devante. His price really hasn't shifted at all. If anything, it's gotten higher. Uh, he, he's he's just a, a firm hold unless you're going to get you know a, a similar wide receiver with a little bit extra on top. I'd be okay with something like that, or or if somebody's willing to you know to pay out the nose for him, fine, move on. But a lot of times when you're talking about elite assets, especially wide receivers. It's important to get something of, of real value in return. Yeah, picks are super fun, but so it, in this game unfortunately, you do actually have to score point score points, Nathan. I don't know if you knew that. Um, but those picks don't actually win you leagues. Wait, what?
1: Picks don't <laughs> picks don't win you leagues? News to me. Got to change my whole strategy up. All right. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers, uh, a team that might be one of the best teams we've seen in recent memory with very little dynasty assets involved um we've we've talked about Debo Samuel uh, Dante Pettis is basically dead so I think that the most intriguing aspect of the Niners right now is their running back core of uh, Raheem Mostert who had some flashes Matt Breida who had some flashes Tevin Coleman who has basically been a goal line back for them who would have thought that <laughs> so say his name
2: Nathan say his name you have to you have to mention him say his uh, name
1: Oh, Jarek McKinnon.
2: <laughs> there we go. Now we're talking. Like
1: the, the sixth highest paid running back in the NFL.
2: <laughs> Just had to make sure we got his name mentioned.
1: Yeah. Uh, so um, is there one of these guys that
2: you see as an obvious buy, an obvious sell? You think these guys are all meh? What do you think? I mean, <clears throat> for the price, it's hard to say no to Raheem Mostert. Uh, he's been basically free even you know last year when we got to see him a little bit. And, and now this year – um, like you mentioned, we saw flashes, but we saw real flashes, not like, hey, there's a play, or "or hey, there's a game. I mean, he was good. When, when they use him, he was good. And I, I think most any back is going to be good in this system, but Mostert looked really strong. I know a lot of folks like Matt Breida, big explosive playmaker, but we saw all of those same type of things from Mostert. I think Tevin Coleman's kind of on the backside of, of what he can do. I just feel like he's been slowed quite a bit by injuries. He doesn't look like he did early on with, with Atlanta. And as much as it pains me to say, uh, I think we can officially declare Jarek McKinnon um, DED dead. And maybe this is one where we kind of just wait and see what they do in the draft. I, I wouldn't be opposed to going out and trying to get Mostert or even potentially Breida if the price is really, really light, because I do fear that they'll add a back. I, I think Shanahan will try to go get his guy now that maybe he realizes Tevin Coleman isn't the same Tevin Coleman that he was in Atlanta a couple of years ago. But um, it, it's an interesting spot. There's, they're, like you mentioned, man, there's not a lot, you know, aside from like George Kittle, who, again, it's that tight end where I'm not ever paying up for tight end. But if you have him, great. Not, you've got a super high end tight end that, probably could get more than what he's actually worth. And then obviously we, like you talked about, we, we mentioned Debo Samuel. I don't really want to kind of keep overlapping on things we've talked about so much, but yeah, the, the running back group, I think no matter who is there is going to be able to produce. I, I think the Shanahan system is one where we'll continually get nice production. We just need to see the amount of people go from four to like two. So we can actually have a one A and one B and get real production out of one or two guys rather than a whole hell of a lot of production out of like 17 people. I did gloss over it a little bit. And I guess I'll ask you just to,
1: you know, confirm it, but Dante Pettis is he dynasty waiver wire territory in August or what are our thoughts on him? Is there a chance that, you know, this was just a bad sophomore year that turns into a great, you know, third year or what are we doing with Pettis?
2: I wouldn't hate him as an end of bench type guy. He's going to be floating around on waiver wires. You're going to see a name that might be a little bit more appealing, but I don't know that, that the Niners go back to the well, at least early on. Maybe they do. Maybe they go after one of those high end guys. Maybe they go get you know, Shanahan goes and gets his guy earlier on. But I think, you know, just based on, on what Pettis did a little bit in college and, and his, you know, kind of minimal. Well, I guess I shouldn't say minimal draft capital. He was a second round pick. He was like yeah. what 50th overall, or just in front of that. Yeah, um, around there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's he's an end of bench kind of guy right now. We we didn't we haven't we still haven't really seen a lot of him. We've seen kind of like the other guys, random flashes, super inconsistent. His rookie season was somewhat promising. You know, he only had like 30 catches, but his yards per catch was up there. He caught a couple of touchdowns. He looked comfortable. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's a lot stacked against him to eventually be a successful player. But what's the risk in adding him, you know?
1: Yeah, and it does seem that, and obviously it's not great for, if you're a player and your coach seems to hate you and to say terrible things about you consistently in the press, you're hoping, Oh, maybe that guy will get fired. Kyle Shanahan, not getting fired. Anytime. <laughs> so, uh, the best Pettis can probably hope for personally is a trade or, or getting cut. He might get um, cut. Yeah. Because yeah, it's rare. Like, you know, most time NFL coaches are like, Oh, this guy's, you know, trying his best or this guy is doing this to succeed. And, obviously I haven't dug into every single Pettis blurb in the last four months, but most of them were basically Kyle Shanahan saying Dante Pettis is not an NFL player.
2: Yeah. And it's possible. And maybe he's the kind of guy that's just not ready to really wanting to work with them. But I think we'll see if he's not cut, maybe you see a team trade like a sixth or a seventh or something for him. Maybe that liked him in the 2018 draft process and just, Dante maybe could get him late in the second or early in the third, and the Niners ended up taking him, you know, mid-second. So uh, I, I think there's there's still life beyond the 49ers, but I think we've probably seen the last of Dante Pettis in red and gold. So we'll, we'll see what the offseason brings. There's a lot of things that can still happen. So I, I think if he's free and you've got waiver ads for some reason, throw him on the end of your roster just because.
1: All righty. That'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, you know, we're heading into championship week. We've got three football games left. Obviously we don't count the pro, pro bowl, but uh, you know, football is almost over Dan.
2: That's right. And, and for those of you who uh, obviously are lovely, loyal listeners who are wondering well, where the heck are all these games? I, I thought these guys were, were game people. Well, we're almost to that stage. Nathan, the off season's almost here. It is almost game time. Are you ready? Are you ready for Dynasty Jeopardy
1: 3.0? If we're gonna run Dynasty Jeopardy 3.0, we're gonna need guests. So if you have, if you have any, obviously we have our loyal guests. We have Ryan McDowell and Russell Clay and guys like that. But we want to have some new guests on. We want to have a variety of guests on. So if you know someone in the, if you are someone in the industry, if you uh, know someone in the industry that. Would be fun uh, on Dice Tradecast, playing Dice games, at them and say, hey, you should come on Dice Tradecast. And because I don't check the Dice Tradecast Twitter handle, make sure you say, you should come on the Dice Tradecast at Dino Tradecast, at NPLFF, at FFDynasty. So there if you, you want to see, see guests, uh, at them, at us, and we'll try and get connected and have some fun. Let's do it. And at Dice tell them to come back. <laughs>
2: That's true. Bring back Eric. Hashtag bring back Eric. <laughs> Get it trending on all of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Nathan? Kadoosh. There you go.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.